morning, everyone. Uh, let's open with a word of prayer. Lord, thank you so very much for this, this day. Lord, thank you for the opportunity to be in your house, Lord, and Lord, thank you so very much for the message that you have prepared for us today. I just ask that you uh, watch over and keep us, Lord, uh, prepare us for your message, and thank you so very much for your goodness. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, so uh, Old Testament reading that kind of links with today is in Nehemiah 13. So if you have my Bible, that's on page 447, but you don't have my Bible. Nehemiah 13, that's the first three verses. Nehemiah 13, 1 through 3. On that day, the book of Moses was read aloud in the hearing of the people, and there it was found written that no Ammonites or Moabite should ever be admitted into the assembly of God because they had not met the Israelites with food and water, but had been hired Balaam to call a curse down on them. Our God, however, turned the curses into blessings. When the people heard this law, they excluded from Israel all who were of foreign descent. All right, that's going to be key when we're going through today. So right now we're working through Acts. So if you could flip over to Acts, and we're in the middle of chapter 10. Today's sermon is called Peter at Cornelius' House. So we are starting at uh, halfway through verse 23, and we will finish chapter 10 today. So a little background on Acts. Remember, Acts was written by Luke. And in this series right here, we have two main individuals. We have Cornelius and we have Peter. So what do we know about Cornelius? Cornelius was a God-fearing centurion. Remember, centurion would be a Roman officer in charge of 100 men from the word sentry. Uh, he had a vision of an angel, and that vision commanded him to send for Peter. So Cornelius is a God-fearing man, understands the chain of command. He's going to go and follow the, that rule. So he's going to go call for Peter. Then we got Peter. So what do we know about Peter recently from uh, couple sections here in Acts. So Peter heals Ananias and resurrects Dorcas. And he was staying in Joppa, which is 30 miles, uh, let me see if I do this right, 30 miles north of Caesarea. I couldn't remember if it north or south there. Uh, with a man named Simon the Tanner. So in the first part of chapter 10, we know that Peter also gets a vision of unclean animals and is advised to get up, kill, and eat. So Peter, being a devout Jew, says, no, 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 I, I wouldn't do that. And God says it three times, and, and then he even says, um, you know, that in Acts 10, 15, 
it says that uh, do not call anything impure that God has made clean. That's going to be really critical today. Don't make anything impure that God has made clean. And then uh, the, the vision advises Peter to go with the three men that were called. So that's Acts 10, 19, and 20. So, in this run-up to today's sermon, there were two things that I, in my researching that I kind of thought was odd. So here are my oddities. The tanners deal with dead animals, making them unclean. And yet here you have Peter, this devout Jewish man, living with Simon the Tanner. Right? Joe talked about the fact that you wouldn't have needed directions. You would have been able to smell your way there. It would have just been you know, horrific there. And then in Acts 10.23, right, uh, last, uh, the first part of uh, 23, it says that Peter invites the two servants of Cornelius and the devout soldier to be his guests. Would a devout Jewish man invite men into his house that would have been Jewish. No, he wouldn't have, right? Because, because he, they, the Gentiles were separated from the Jews, and in fact, they were considered unclean. But, but Peter's starting to figure this pieces out. So here's my big question for the day. Is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the God of Joe, David, and Bill? Is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob the God of Joe, David, and Bill? So, my background, I was a science teacher, so I like math. So what do you know about math when you first are learning? So here's some... (laughs) My children hear some of my sermon prep, so Matthew's raising his hand, so... No, I'm not calling on you. This is rhetorical. Thank you. So when you first are learning about numbers, remember in kindergarten, your first rules on numbers are that there are no numbers less than zero. Right? Like when we're starting to learn to count, there are no numbers less than zero. So everything's positive, which is a lie, right? The second rule that we're going to figure out is that there are no numbers between numbers. Right? It's one, and the next one would be two. There's no numbers in between one and two, and you would go to three. Right? Everything's a whole number. And that there are no negatives. Well, we know that there are negative numbers. That there are no partial numbers. Right? Now we, now we realize that, there's, that partial numbers exist. So partial numbers would be like one and a half, one and a third, right? fractions and decimals. And then if you get really far into math, then you learn that there's actually imaginary numbers, which seems silly to have an imaginary number, but you can't take a square root of a negative number because it would be all sorts of bad things happen, right? And then, oddly enough, the higher up in math you get, the less numbers you use, right? Everything gets replaced by symbols and and all of that. So, So the rules that were set out for math were designed because if you tried to explain imaginary numbers to kindergartners, their minds would melt. In fact, sometimes it's hard to describe it to high schoolers. But the rules were set out 
in order so that people understood. That's what the Old Testament is about. There were rules set out explaining how God was going to be taking care of the Israelites. But is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob still the God of Joe, David, and Bill? So in the end of today's sermon, we should be able to answer that very conclusively, although I see a bunch of people already nodding their heads. All right, so I have three points for today's sermon. From me reading through this, the three pieces that really stand out for me are that actions speak louder than words, then there's a hearing of the gospel, and then the results of that gospel. So those are going to be my three actional points. So, actions speak louder than words. Let's read the first part of Acts 10, 23b. The next day Peter started out with them, and some of the brothers from Joppa went along. The following day he arrived at Caesarea. Cornelius was expecting them, and had called together his relatives and close friends. As Peter entered the house, Cornelius met him and fell at his feet in reverence. Peter made him stand up. Stand up, he said, I am only a man. Taking with him, Peter went inside and found a large gathering of people. He said to them, You are well aware that it is against our law for a Jew to associate with a Gentile or even visit with him. But God has shown me that I should not call any man impure or unclean. So when I was sent for, I came without raising any objection. May I ask why you have sent for me? So right here, there's a couple of things in here that I really want to highlight. Remember, actions speak louder than words. So Peter enters the house. Because remember, right here, it says before this sentence that it would have been unlawful for a Jew to associate with a Gentile. It is against our laws. From what we have read about Jewish culture, are laws important? Right? We've got lots of books about the laws. And they would have followed these laws to the hilt. Even our disciples, who are realizing that a bunch of the laws that took place were abolished through Jesus' sacrifice. But there are still laws that they would have been holding to. And in this case right here, there would have been a great separation between a Jew and a Gentile. So all of a sudden, in at the end of chapter, or at the middle of chapter 10, in verses uh, 14 through 23, Peter starts seeing this vision where, okay, wait, like, God says, whatever I have made clean, you can't make unclean. So Peter's like, okay, I'm, like, that's weird, but I'm starting to get this. He realizes that there should not be a separation. So he enters the house. So there you go. There's the first action that speaks louder than the words. The second one is that Cornelius falls at Peter's feet. That's a pretty distinct action. So think back. Cornelius is a Roman soldier who understands chain of command, who had just received a vision from God that says, go get Peter. So in Cornelius' mind, Peter's going to be a big thing. So as, as Peter comes in, he falls at his feet to go in and show praise, honor, and respect to Peter. And Peter's like, whoa, 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 I'm just a man, stand up. So there's two things that happen here. One... Peter's signifying the fact that they are equals. I am just a man. 
stand up. We're equals. That would not have been true historically in the Jewish culture. Jews would have seen Gentiles as less than them. Cornelius is coming and paying honor and respect. Right? It's always, to, always good to pay more honor to an individual, not knowing who the person is. Right? Someone walks in and, and you know, you want to show them the highest honor trying to figure out where they would rank. So, so Cornelius is coming in and saying, hey, I'm going to fall at his feet. One, <laughs> God told me to go get him. That's going to be a big thing. I'm a God-fearing individual, so I'm going to go and pay homage and respect to this man. Peter says, no, 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 stand up. I'm just a man. And then against our law, but God has shown that, that I should not call any man impure or unclean. That's a pretty big action all of a sudden. Because prior to then, they would have been unclean, ceremonially unclean. You would have had to go and do all sorts of things to become clean again after associating yourself with a Jew or with a Gentile, let alone walking into their house, eating with them. All of these things would have been considered um, taboo or wrong. So prior to this time period, all the non-Jewish individuals who wanted to become Jews would have had to go through circumcision. But you would have had to go and circumcise and become a proselyte to become a Jew. So that way you could come and be, become considered part of the family. Oddly enough, in chapter 8, we got to talk about the fact that Philip was working with uh, the Ethiopian who could not have become a proselyte because he was castrated. Right? So he could not have gone through that process to go and, and become accepted by the Jews. Right? And now here we have, all of a sudden, all of these rules are going to change. So Cornelius honors uh, Peter by falling at his feet. We talked about that. And Peter quickly says, no, 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 no. In, in God's eyes, you and I are now equals. I am just a man. So find verse 30. Cornelius answered... Right, so Peter asks him, hey, why have you sent for me? And Cornelius answers, four days ago, I was in my house praying at this hour. At three in the afternoon, suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayers and remembered your gifts to the poor. Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He is a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good for you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Everything in the presence of God. Remember that Cornelius is not a Christian yet, but he is a God-fearing Gentile. In the presence of God to listen to everything the Lord has commanded you to tell us. Where do we get that crux Go turn your Bibles to Matthew. Matthew 28. Anyone know where we're going? Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Then the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw them, they worshipped him, But some doubted. Then Jesus came to them and said, 
All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. This is the Great Commission. This is what us Christians are supposed to be doing. We're supposed to be going to the ends of the earth, baptizing the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that Jesus has commanded you. So, Peter's getting called to action. Cornelius says, hey, we, you know, God's called me to call you, so here you are. He says, you're supposed to come and tell us this. So, Peter's going to then give his, give a quick sermon, right? He's going to preach the gospel. And in fact, my favorite thing is, is that Peter preaches the gospel in a total of three paragraphs. Right anytime I'm struggling on trying to figure out how to, you know, how to preach the gospel or how to explain it to someone, Peter's going to do it in three paragraphs. Watch. Verse 34. Then Peter began to speak. Now I realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts men from every nation who fear and do what is right. You know the message God sent to the people of Israel, telling the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. You know that what has happened throughout Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism of John preached. How God anointed Jesus, Nazareth, with the Holy Spirit and, how, and power, and how he went through, went around doing good and healing all who were under the power of the devil, because God was with him. We are witnesses of everything he did in the country of the Jews in Jerusalem. They killed him by hanging him on a tree, but God raised him from the dead on the third day and caused him to be seen. He is, was not seen by all of the people, but by witnesses who God had already chosen. By us who ate and drank with him after he rose from the dead, he commanded us to preach to the people and to testify that one whom God appointed as judge of the living and the dead. All the prophets testified about that everyone who believed in him receives forgiveness of sins through his name. There you go. Gospel. Three paragraphs. Right? He... He is so motivated that, all right, so this is what I'm being called to do. This is the Great Commission. This is what Jesus talked to me about a couple months ago. Like, this is what I'm supposed to be going and doing. If we ever want to know how to lead a non-Christian to Christ, here's the perfect template. Right? It is, it is simple. It was three, three pieces. But I, I pull out seven items out of those three paragraphs. God does not show favoritism. Thank goodness to that. God accepts men from every nation who fear him and do what is right. God anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. Right? That's, that's all, those are the first three things that, that Peter hits on. Then it gets real. He was killed and hung on a tree. God raised him from the dead 
and they, on the third day and caused him to be seen. Right? We talked about this in Sunday school, that, that we, don't, we don't serve a, a dead Savior. We serve a risen Lord. Number six, commanded to preach the people and testify he was anointed by God to be judge. I like that one. And everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin. Those are the seven pieces that I pulled out that were most critical in those three paragraphs. Doesn't play favorites. Accepts men from every nation who fear him to do what's right. He's anointed Jesus with the Holy Spirit and power. That Jesus was killed on the tree. That God raised him from the dead. He was, he was witnessed. He was commanded to preach to the people, testify he was appointed by God to be a judge. And that everyone who believes in him receives forgiveness of sin. Three paragraphs, pretty easy. And yet will totally change your world. So here, here you got Cornelius and a room full of Cornelius's friends and relatives sitting there hearing this, what we would call the good news from Peter and what happens. Right? What happens? Verse 44. While Peter was still speaking these words, the Holy Spirit came on all who heard the message. The circumcised believers who had come with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out over even the Gentiles, for they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. Right in the middle of Peter's speech, right in the middle of his sermon, God takes action. Now, now normally this is this is out of order, right? Normally you would you would hear the uh, hear the sermon, right, and then you would receive the Holy Spirit, and then you would be baptized. No, 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 that's not that right. Normally, right? So in in Jerusalem, right, because this looks like what? This looks like Pentecost. In fact, sometimes this is referred to as the Gentile Pentecost. In Jerusalem, the order was that they were baptized, right? The, the disciples had been baptized. Then they received the Holy Spirit, and then Peter gave a sermon. Remember back in, remember when that occurred? For the Gentiles, Peter gave a sermon. Then they got the Holy Spirit, and in the next paragraph, you're going to find out that they were baptized. So it was just a little backwards, but it doesn't mean that it was any different. But all of a sudden, you now have the Gentiles being blessed with the Holy Spirit. That is huge. Like, like if it's not underlined and highlighted in your Bible, like you should, because now that gives access to everyone. The, the piece that I really liked was that the witnesses were key to this truth. And what do they call the witnesses now? They don't, they're not referring to them as the Christians, right? They refer to them as the circumcised. Because now you can have Christians that are uncircumcised. Because there's not a requirement to go and become circumcised to become a Christian. 
So they said the, the, the circumcised believers who were with Peter were astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. So now all of a sudden there is no separation. Because remember that God doesn't play favorites. So having the witnesses there was critical. right? It gives truth to the actions that are occurring. So, so now what happens? Verse 47. Then Peter said, Can anyone keep these people from being baptized with water? They have received the Holy Spirit just as we have. So he ordered them that they baptize, be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Then they asked Peter to stay with them for a few days. So the Greek word here is koluo, K-O-L-U-O, koluo. It is Greek for prevent or hinder. It's the same Greek word that is used in chapter 8, verse 36, when the eunuch was baptized. So, so when it says, can anyone prevent them from being baptized? It's the same word. And isn't it odd that it's the same, same idea, right? You had a non-Jew become baptized in the Holy Spirit. So notice that there was not a requirement for them to go and get circumcised before baptism. God has now shown no favoritism. There is not a special group. So, so the big piece that I took away from this is that God's job is to humble everyone. So how did he humble both groups? So he humbles the Jews by taking them out of the most prominent position. And he humbles the Gentiles because they need to believe in the Jewish Messiah. He humbles both groups in this, in this one action. It's no longer a requirement to come be a proselyte. You don't need to go get circumcised. You don't have to go and follow all the Jewish customs and laws. All you have to be is a God-fearing man, woman, who loves and understands God and believes in his name. So... Remember I asked at the beginning, is the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, traditionally our, the Jewish mindset, still the God of Joe, David, and Bill? This says it is. God doesn't play favorites. The plan from the start had always been to love everyone and that God had a plan for everyone. That, that, that doesn't look like it when you're first reading through the Bible because it, talks out, it starts out in Genesis about he's, he's got a plan for everyone and then it goes into this long history about how Israel had been you know, going to war and, and, and having kings and judges and rulers and screwing up and, and, and all these things. And, and the whole first chunk of the Bible seems all about focused on Israel. But there had always been a plan. There were always imaginary numbers. There were always negative numbers. The playing field has now been leveled. And it was leveled at the foot of the cross. With the comfort to all of the lost that are struggling with their sins, confess that Jesus is the Lord and Savior and you will be forgiven. 
What a challenge to the church to live out right now. Through acceptance across all boundaries. Racial, class, ethnicity, gender. God doesn't have any boundaries. Why should we? We serve an impartial God who has sent a universal Lord and Savior. He was the perfect sacrifice. Joe talked about that today at Sunday school. You didn't break Jesus' legs on the cross because he had to be the perfect sacrifice. That perfect sacrifice to cover and atone for all of mankind's sin. All. All means all. It means my sin. means your sin. means your neighbor's sin. For all of mankind. For the church to start living out that mandate and to command to love your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and all of your mind, and to love your neighbor. Those are the two great commandments. That's what this is talking about. God loves Jew and Gentile. It is not a protected club anymore. You don't have to go and do all these crazy things to go and be loved by God. All you have to do is fall at your feet and to know that that Jesus has saved us because of what he has done for us. That's all you need to do. That's the reason why God sent his son. We're talking about it in Sunday school. My my favorite piece from from Mark is when the curtain is torn from top to bottom. Right, if it was born, it was torn from from bottom to top. Man could have tried to do that, but that curtain was torn from top to bottom, showing that God had a plan to give access to everyone. And in this this chapter, that access is granted to Jew and Gentile. That means us. This is why God sent his son. So that we have access to him. What are the two great commandments? To love your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. And to love your neighbor as yourself. Are we doing this? This is what we're called to do. This is what the Bible tells us that we're supposed to be doing. I hope this week that we can find a way to continue to love one another because this world needs a whole lot of love right now. First, you start with you. You turning your heart, your soul, and your mind to God. How do you do that? You're in the Word. Either on your knees in prayer We're reading this great and powerful book. And the second way it is you you love everyone. Right? No favoritism. God does not show favoritism anymore. You have free access to, to talk to him, to pour your troubles out to him, to leave your fears and your anxieties at his feet. You have access. And that access is only because of his son. So I pray this week that you find a way to continue to strengthen that relationship that you have with him. You continue to dive further in the word, and then you find a neighbor to love on deeper.
Imagine what our world would be if we loved on our neighbors just a little bit extra this week. Kind of be a fun place to be in. We'll catch you up next week. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you so very much for giving us this this section of of your book to, to study this week. Lord, I just pray that you continue to soften our hearts, Lord, and that we find a way to continue to grow deeper with you, Lord, that we can never be deep enough, that we can always find a way to get closer to you. And Lord, that we can turn around and show that same love that you showed us, that you loved us so much that you gave your one and only son. Lord, so that you can draw every man, woman, and child to you. Lord, I pray that we turn around and show that same love to our neighbor. That's your, that's your desire for us, Lord, is to love unconditionally. If you don't play favorites, Lord, why should we? Lord, thank you so very much for, for making, making access for every man, woman, and child to have that relationship with you. Lord, and I pray that you continue to, to fall out at your feet, Lord, showing honor and respect, Lord, because you are not just a man. You are the one and the only true God, Lord, and we just thank you so very much. I just ask that you watch over everyone this week, bring them back here again. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. <laughs>